The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Well, hello, I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. Hey, bestie, it's Cami Crawford. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in every Friday for new episodes. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Okay, besties, tis the season to be jolly. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This, that, and the third. You know how it goes. You know the sayings. You know the vibes. It is the holiday season. And for a lot of people, this can be a very triggering time. It's not always the most wonderful time of the year for everybody. And if you have an incredible relationship with your family, that is beautiful and amazing. And we love that. But it doesn't also mean that relationships with family members can't be imperfect sometimes. And today we have Whitney Goodman on the podcast. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's going to be talking to us about how we can properly prep for the holidays, get ready for those tough conversations with family members, and, you know, prepare for that one uncle that always seemed to have some shit to say. You know, we're going to be talking about it all. There's so much, you know, joy and happiness, of course, to be enjoyed. But at the same time, there's some real shit that needs to be talked about and uncovered. And it's about that time. So let's get into it. Whitney's going to give us some amazing advice and stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl, Cammie Crawford. And today we have Whitney Goodman on the show, licensed marriage and family therapist, author of Toxic Positivity. She's got over 500,000 followers. You've amassed this following. Whitney, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) I mean... I am a huge advocate for therapy, but why do you think that so many people are following you and soaking up this content? Because you have amazing content about not just toxic positivity and how the positivity movement has been kind of corrupted by people who are like, you have to live your best life every single day. (laughs) But also you talk a lot about family stuff. So can you talk a little bit about the people who follow you, the people who you work with and how you got into this work. Yeah, I think right now we're seeing a shift in especially young adults, adults really wanting to understand themselves, their parents, how they got to where they are and sort of what makes them who they are. And a lot of this self-exploration is happening on the internet because that's where we do everything. And I believe that when we're able to really figure out our family relationships, what makes us who we are and feel connected to something other than ourselves, we can live a life that is meaningful to us. And so a lot of my content revolves around helping people either find a new family if theirs Mm. isn't, you know, the people that they can be around or reconnect and strengthen those bonds with their family members. 
Yes. I feel like people have this misconception that even if you grew up wealthy or having both parents in the house, like that, that equates to having a stable family life. And that's just not the case. Like you could have, you could have amazing parents. I have amazing parents. Doesn't mean that, you know, that they didn't get under my skin or gaslight me at times (laughs) or, you know, things that I guess families just do. But what would you say is the difference between like, oh, this is just what family does. And like, this is actually a toxic situation. Right. You're so right that there's so much nuance to these relationships. Right. And I think on one extreme, we have like abuse, chronic gaslighting, um, people who are totally not involved, they're neglectful. And then we have like these good enough parents that still mess up from time to time. And they say things that aren't good and they're operating from their own like wounding or place of hurt that I think it's up to each individual person to decide, like, is this something I can get over? Is this something I can work through with my parents? And also for those family members to be willing to say, you know what? I maybe didn't intend to hurt you in that moment, but I see that I did, or I messed Mm -hmm. up. I didn't know better. I didn't do better and try to move forward. Yeah. Getting parents to apologize is like pulling teeth. It really is. (laughs) You might as well. I think parents would rather eat a pair of jeans before (laughs) they apologize to their children about things that they've done. Yeah, it's wild. I I think it's a generational thing because I find now that like I'm a parent and the parents of young children around me are like apologizing every five seconds to their child. Yeah. Definitely been this shift in like what's expected. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I feel like with my family, you know, we've, we have our ups and downs. I also have a big family. I have a lot of sisters and we are very, very close. But like I was saying, just because you have a close family, just because you have a good family dynamic doesn't necessarily mean that, that there aren't those times when you're like, okay, I need to, (laughs) I need to create some distance and creating boundaries is important. Especially I think as you become an adult, I think as an adult, I'm realizing and it's a it's a weird realization, but I'm growing to understand that like my parents are just people. They're just yes. two adults who decided to procreate and have kids. But <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that they even have every single last tool or that their parents had every tool to give to them. And it's a it's a weird realization. Have you noticed that a lot with clients? Oh my gosh. Yes. I I think there's this moment in your life when you're moving through adulthood where you start to have that realization, right? Of like, my parents are not perfect. Mm -hmm. They fail, they mess up and some more than others, but like realizing that your parents are just as imperfect as you are. Right. And sometimes more in that you have to have some level of like humanity and acceptance and boundaries Mm -hmm. for them. of like, there's certain behavior I won't tolerate. You can't speak to me that way, whatever it is. But it's it's a challenge, I think, to see your parents as human instead of when we're little and we're like, they're Superman, they're perfect. There's nothing right. we can do wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, I my mom and I are like literally best friends. So we have these conversations all the time. And I feel blessed to be able to have that kind of relationship with her where I can just be like, sis. Like, listen, you know, you know, you know what you did. She'll be like, of course, she'll deny, deny, deny. But then, of course, the next day, she'll she's also an Aries. That's another story. (laughs) 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, you guys know how much I advocate for therapy. Let me tell you something. The other day, I was going through it. Actually, the past few days. It has been, it's been a rough one. I don't know what's going on leading up into the holidays, but I've been, I've been going through it. And there was no better feeling than knowing that I had an outlet with my therapist. I scheduled an appointment. I talked to her and it just made my entire world feel better. I I don't know how to explain it. Like if you know, you know, and if you don't, let me help you help yourself. Like let's get into it. Sometimes you just need somebody to help navigate with you through those tough times. And that's why I love BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any time. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Cami. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Cami. Now, you guys, like I said, I have benefited from therapy so, so much, whether you want help with, you know, coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, whatever it might be, therapy can be such an incredible tool and outlet to just work through some things. Let me know if you guys try it out, and I can't wait to see what progress you make. All right, let's get back to the podcast. So what exactly got you into this work in the first place? You know, I don't have like a great story of that. I've just always been fascinated with how families operate, why humans do what they do, that I knew I always wanted to work with people. I ended up going into graduate school right out of college. And this has really been my career since day one. And I love every second of it. I feel very lucky that I got into something early that I enjoy. Yes. No, that's so true. I feel like in college, you know, it's it's a hellscape. There's, yes. a lot, there's a lot going on and a lot of changes and things that happen. I was watching one of your videos that I could understand and like resonate with about adult children. And I was talking to my mom the other day and she said something about something about me being her child. But like it felt like she was saying child in the present tense. And I had to use my adult brain to be like, OK, Cammie, you're 30 years old. She wasn't saying you are a child. She was saying you are her child. But like the differences between when you're growing up and becoming that adult child in your parents' eyes, we're still like five years old in their eyes. Mm -hmm. We're still like just popped out the womb in their eyes. I know that because I have 16-year-old twin sisters who when I look at them, I see them as babies and we're 14 years apart. Like I, that's how I see them. So I can only imagine for a parent when, when you look at your child, you're going to see them as a baby forever. But the ways that parents try to still instill some kind of, you know, parental control, which I feel like is also not necessarily their fault. Like when their kids grow up and they move out of the house, you're still the parent. How do you navigate these dynamics? What do you say to that? Mm-hmm. So there's research on this actually that as kids get older and become adults, they're looking to move into independence, right? And to form their own identity. And that's developmentally appropriate. We want that to happen. As parents age and get older and closer to the end of their life, they want more closeness Mm. with their children. And so there's these two like competing 
ideals that sometimes parents in a way to secure that closeness, to keep control, to still feel like they're needed, they will start to exert control in these ways, right? That Mm -hmm. you're talking about in that video. So like controlling who you partner with, what you wear, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And usually the adult child is going to be like, whoa, you are not going to control me or they might acquiesce. And then there's like this fake closeness that isn't legitimate and there's a lot of resentment. But I think most of the time for the parent, it's coming from this place of like, I don't know how to be close to you Mm. outside of like running your life. I feel like you don't need me anymore if I can't tell you what to do. And we have to understand from the adult child's perspective, like that's not helpful. And as the parent of that adult child, like this isn't going to get me what I want in this situation. It's kind of sad, isn't it? It is. It it's is. like, it breaks my heart. Like I, My heart is broken for my parents because yeah. I'm definitely, I've always been that kid. Like once I established my adulthood, I was like, this is, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm completely independent. Like, this is what I do. You, nobody told me what to do, but I've, I've <laughs> always been like that. But like the other day I was really sick and my mom was like, oh, I would have flown there. If you would have told me that you were sick, I would have flown there and taken care oh. of you. And I'm like, mom, I am an adult. Like you don't as much as, and of course, when I'm in the depths of my sickness, I'm like, I wish I had my mommy, but (laughs) it's like, you know, there, there is that it's like a, it's like a tug of war almost that's happening. And it's, it's sad. Oh, it is. It's hard. I have an 18 month old and I'm like, oh my gosh, if he doesn't need me anymore, even though I have this like academic knowledge of this, it's still that feeling. I think as a parent often doesn't leave you of like, I want to take care of my child. And you're saying, but mom, I can do it myself. Right. This constant conflict. Uh, So when in your work, do you normally meet with like the adult child, or do you meet with families all together to talk about these issues? How do you usually go about that in like resolving those kinds of tensions and problems? Most of the time I am meeting with the adult child. And I think that's just because therapy has become much more common among that age group. I'm mm-hmm. meeting with people usually between 25 and 40, right? And they're trying to figure out how can I heal whatever is going on with me and this person so that I can move on from the relationship or how can I get them to have these discussions with me? Mm. And there have been many situations where the parent does decide to come to therapy and we can help them bridge that gap. But I also have a lot of cases where the parent won't come. Mm. And so we're either trying to help that adult child accept their parent for who they are if they're not going to change set new boundaries or possibly navigate not having a relationship. Wow. Which is rough. I'm sure that's a a very difficult decision to make and no one wants to make these decisions, but in some cases it can be what's actually best for you. Yep. Yep. Well, we have a bunch of people who have written in about their stories because everyone's going home for the holidays. Well, not everyone. Some people are not. And for good reason. And, you know, I think that there's, there's an importance to protecting your peace, but then you also have, you know, my family comes from a place of like, well, there it's family. Like mm-hmm. it's it just, but just because it's family doesn't mean that you have to put yourself through any kind of turmoil or, or bad situation. That's not going to be good for you in the long run. So, you know, some people need some advice 
Are you, are you willing and ready? Let's do it. I'll <laughs> okay. do what I can. Yes. Well, the first one out the gate says, I'm not going home for the holidays. I don't need that negativity in my life. And that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb, period. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Okay, here we go. Someone said, hey, Cammy, it's me again. Oh, we have a repeat, repeat writer. I really don't know what to do anymore. I don't have a good support system in my home. And now everyone is coming together for the holidays. I feel like I can't catch a break. I'm surrounded by people who don't care about me at all. And it makes me feel like I'm never enough. We're supposed to go away for the holidays, but now I'm going to be here alone while they're away. I guess it's nice to have a break, but I'm going to spend the holidays, my birthday and New Year's alone. And I feel so alone. My mental health has already gone completely downhill and I don't know what to do anymore. It's gotten to the point where I don't know how long I'll survive. I feel like I have no one and my thoughts have gotten so dark. I'm scared that they will win. I wish my family would listen to me when I say how much their words have impacted me, but they don't care. What do I do? I'm so sorry for this person because that sounds like they're in a really difficult place. And I know being in that place is so challenging. Yeah. That I hope the first thing I would say is definitely try to reach out for help if that's the way that you're feeling for somebody that's not in your family, whether that's a therapist, finding a support group, free services in your area. Because when you get to that place where you feel like, I don't know if I can keep going like this. That's the ultimate time to say, I need some resources to help me. Yeah. When it comes to the part about the holidays, I think making plans for that day so that you know what you're doing when you wake up in the morning, you have something to look forward to is really important. And you can treat it like any other day. You know, it doesn't have to be special or over the top, but like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go get a coffee. I'm going to go do this, that, like, I'm going to be out around other people that can help with that feeling of isolation and making sure that you have things that you're going to do that day. So you're not sitting still Mm. really soaking in this feeling and possibly not being able to handle it. Yeah. I think that there's this, I mean, I can't even say a misconception. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Everyone says the holidays are like, you know, this is a time to come together. This is a time to be with your family. And there's so much pressure to make these connections and force connections too at times to try to feel this closeness that's not really there. And I come from a place of being very privileged in that area. I love coming home for the holidays. Like it's my favorite thing to do because all my sisters are together and like, it's our one time to, to be together and have fun. But then, you know, there are people like this person who they're dreading it and it's, it's heartbreaking to hear. And I'm so sorry that you're even going through this because everyone deserves to have that feeling. But like you were saying at the very beginning, there are ways to create your own experience and create your own family. Even Mm -hmm. how do you feel like people should go about that? Because I mean, we see it all the time in the queer community. They've done an incredible job at being able to create the families that they want and that they need to have the support that are around them. But for people who may not know, how do you Mm -hmm. recommend going about that? The first thing I think is we have to abandon this idea that family like blood relationships are the only ones that can be important, right? And they're the most important. They often are for some people, but if you don't have that, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so how can I find 
places, groups, people in my life that share my values, that will accept me, that are meaningful to me. And I think you can do that by trying to spend time in places that are meaningful to you. Um, Online relationships can also be valuable, especially if you are disabled or chronically ill and have trouble getting out in the community. Those relationships can still be valid and valuable as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like there's there's definitely ways with just activities, things that you do and things that you're actually passionate about so that you can be around like-minded people. So if it's like a pottery class or if mm-hmm. it's a yoga class, like there are ways. And I think the more that people share, I know a lot of family information is often kept like hush hush, but the more that people share their experiences, the more you will find other people with shared experiences too. Absolutely. And that's like a unique perspective that I have as a therapist that I can tell people you are not the only one that feels this way, that's going Mm -hmm. through this with their family. I think on Christmas or something, when you're alone, you're like, everybody else is with their family. Everybody else is having the best day ever. I'm the only one that feels like this. Yeah. And I know that to be a hundred percent not true. Yes. Debunked. You are not (laughs) alone. You are not alone. Hey friends, so the new year is rapidly approaching and I know a lot of us are trying to set those goals, those intentions and, you know, make those new year's resolutions for routines that we want to start at the top of 2023. Now, if you're looking to get into a new vitamin routine, Care Of is the only place that you need to be looking, okay? Care Of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements and powders conveniently to your door every month. You take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals for personalized recommendations, taking the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. And I love it because their recommendations and ingredients are all backed by research to support your digestion, stress, immunity, and any other health goals you have. Care of makes it easy to stick to a healthy routine when life gets crazy because they have a daily app that reminds you to take your vitamins. It comes in individual travel-ready packs and has a flexible subscription that you can change up at any time by simply retaking the quiz for some extra support where you need it. Each shipment comes with a customized booklet showing you exactly what's in your individual daily packs and why it's recommended specifically for you and your health goals. We love a personalized moment and I love taking my vitamins. I'm telling you, I don't know if it's because I'm 30 now, but I started my vitamin routine probably about a year and a half ago. And I can tell the difference. Like I can feel the difference in my body because I'm taking my vitamins regularly. And Care of makes it easy to be able to do that. For 50% off of your first Care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code CAMI50. That's 50% off of your first Care of order by going to takecareof.com and entering code CAMI50. All right, besties, let's get back to the show. Okay, here goes the next one. Cammie, love your energy and the podcast so much. I listen every Friday. Thank you for being you and sharing your light with the world. Oh, thanks, boo. Okay, I would like to be anonymous. My family can be brutal during the holidays. My family likes to bicker and my mom especially talks a lot of shit and can say very hurtful things when she's overwhelmed by drama she causes. She put in parentheses. I am one of three sisters and it feels like our whole life she has alienated us into talking crap about each other and fighting. My two sisters partake in it as well. There is never a stress-free holiday or event and there's drama for weeks leading up to it. I have my flaws too, but I feel like I've grown and become a better person since moving away from home in that situation. Yet my sisters and my mom still live in that toxicity every day. 
My question is, how do you encourage your family to grow and change their bad habits? How do you respectfully tell your mom to stop talking shit? Okay. Great question. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what's happening here is this thing called family homeostasis, right? This is how the family operates. They all talk shit about each other and it keeps on going. The way that you stop this is that somebody has to stop participating, right? And it sounds like this person who wrote in is deciding I have to be that person because I can no longer keep this going. So you're going to control what you can control, which is not participating in the discussions anymore, right? So if somebody starts talking bad about another sister, you change the subject, you say you're not going to talk about it, you leave, you know, you can confront it head on, even with the mom of like, you know what, mom, I'm no longer going to speak negatively about my sisters. If you feel like you want to talk about that, I'm not the best person to talk to. And you Mm. might get some pushback from this person because nobody likes hearing like, oh, what I'm doing is making you uncomfortable, right? And people tend to get defensive of that. That's okay. You can say like, I know this is something we've talked about a lot before. It's a normal thing for us to talk about, but I've decided I don't want to talk about this anymore. And you're allowed to set that boundary. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times parents, and and when you get into this cycle of like, this is just how we do things, like they think of it as like a bonding activity almost, and they don't necessarily see anything wrong with it. They're like, well, you know, I love your sisters. Like, it's not a question. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, I know that. But like, it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to talk shit about my sister and person that she's dating right now. Like, you know, it's it, it can be. I think that I actually think that now more than ever, like between millennials and Gen Z, we're talking to our parents and like that generation in therapy talk now, and they don't know how to handle it. They're like, (laughs) what the fuck is this? Like, what do you mean you're setting a boundary? What does that mean? Because they don't have those tools. They never, they never got that. And I think we're very, very lucky to be able to have the the language now to be able to express how we feel about things. Mm-hmm. And it's important to use it. I think in situations where you can just walk away, it's helpful, but I, I don't know. What's your sign, Whitney? I'm a Leo. Ah, yes. Love it. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. And so I'm going to say okay. like, I'm no longer participating in this conversation. Like, yeah, why are we yeah. engaging in this conversation right now? And I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to make the, the, air suck out of the room because mm-hmm. it's it because this is what's right and what's wrong. And I think that there is something to standing up and saying that and making that stance. So it's clear to everyone, even if for one of this person's sisters or for somebody in the household to, to even have the something implanted in their mind to say like, oh, this is actually not okay. Like this is actually right. not right. And then you get people on your side. <laughs> I think that's helpful. It's very true. It's I true. think that's helpful. But having encouraging your family to change their bad habits. I know for a lot of people going home for the holidays, they're going home to people and parents and family members who have different difficulties with addiction or, you know, whatever it may be. And it can be really difficult to be around those people during the holidays. And I think the idea that we can change someone's habits or, you know, lifestyle choices or whatever that may be during the holidays is kind of a dead end. But what, what do you say to that? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I think people expect their family to like act differently around the holidays because it's a holiday season that they're all of a sudden just going to become these like evolved, better people. Yeah. And instead, we need to prepare for the realistic version of them, right? Mm. And you're right. You you are probably not going to change that. So what I like to do is come from a place of what can I do? So let's say you have a parent that you don't want them to drink around you. You telling them you can't drink is probably not going to work, but you can say, if you are drinking, I am going to leave Mm. and I won't be able to be here if you're drinking. So that's their choice. They can still drink, but you're going to choose to spend your holiday somewhere else if that's what they decide to do. Yeah. And you have to be okay with them responding however they're going to respond based on that information. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult. I was watching a TikTok the other day and this girl's mom was doing something terrible in the house and she, you could hear the pain in her voice. And she was like, it's the holidays. Like, why can't you just like, why can't we just be like a normal family? And you're right. Like you can't expect that if it's not giving on a regular basis, it's not going to give on the holidays just because yeah. Santa's coming to town. Like we have <laughs> exactly. to be, we, we should be realistic about our expectations for family members and friends, even like relationships period like your boyfriend if he wasn't a giver all year round he's probably not going to be a giver just because it's Hanukkah so (laughs) you know (laughs) it all makes sense okay here we go someone said just wanted to start off by saying I love this podcast we love you too thank you for listening okay so as we all know it's the holiday season and during this season people always want to come back into people's lives My boyfriend is not currently speaking to his sisters, and they have a habit of starting drama when he isn't speaking to them. They also treat him poorly, partially because he's with me. So I've heard a lot of the things that they've said about me and my family and the way we live. I guess what I need some advice on is how to deal with your partner's family during the holidays, how to continue to set limits on how much we interact since they always start problems when distance is created. I've always had a hard time with dealing with his family because my family is extremely close and I wanted that with my partner's family as well, but they make it difficult to do that. I have definitely given up trying to be cordial with them, but my man suffers, so it's difficult. Any advice you have is so appreciated. That's a difficult one because there's layers of separation, right? It's like Mm. his family, him, then you. And I think we bring our own baggage and also like interpretations of what's normal from our own family whenever we partner with someone. So in this case, I think it's best to try to operate as a team, right? And have a conversation with your partner. Like, how do you want to handle your family during the holidays? Do you want me to respond to them? Do you want me to go with you? And then also asking them to kind of help support you in moments where the family is maybe not treating you respectfully. That's something that I think a partner needs to also be willing to do in a relationship when their partner is being hurt. Mm. Of course, there's a lot of details we don't know about this situation, but I always would come back to like, how can it be us against the problem Mm. and not us fighting because of the problem? Yes. What do you do when your partner doesn't see a problem? Because I see that a lot with like the yes. mother-in-laws, like we're going home for the holidays and my husband or my wife doesn't understand that their mom or their dad is like really toxic towards me and the children. Like, how do you, how do you handle that when you don't have kind of like a partner in crime to fight mm-hmm. the, the problem? 
that's so challenging because I think we expect our partners to be willing to tolerate what we have always tolerated in our families and what Mm. we think is normal. And that's not going to happen. And so you have to understand that your partner may not be willing to submit themselves to the same conditions and that's okay. So how can the two of you talk about like, if your mom starts yelling at me at the table, I am going to get up and leave. If you want to sit there and get yelled at, fine. But that's not something I'm going to subject myself to. And there are certainly couples that disagree on this so much that they can't stay together because they're not willing to be in a dynamic where you don't protect me from the abuse. But I think what gets tricky here is like, if you have a spouse that's always been abused by their parent in that way, and they don't stand up for themselves, it's hard to expect them to also stand up for you because that would mean them admitting that there's a problem. Yeah. I think around this time too, from what I've noticed from family and friends who have partners, they start to realize how, I don't want to say abnormal, but how different family dynamics can be compared to what they grew up with or what they dealt with as children. And it can be kind of like a harsh reality at times to realize like, oh, I thought my family was this way, but now I'm seeing that other people do it this way. And like, this is actually the way that I would have wanted it. Yes. And offering some grace to, to your partner for that, like shocking dose of reality that, you know, their mom isn't (laughs) who maybe they thought that they were. And especially after people start having kids, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's difficult too. Hey, bestie, did you know that research shows that sex is as mental as it is physical? So you need more than just an amazing vibrator even though we love an amazing vibrator over here. But if you dog-eared that one sexy chapter in a romance novel, or you have that particular scene in a movie that you always fantasize about, Dipsy can help you get there in a new way. With Dipsy, you can skip straight to the good parts. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Find stories about an intriguing coworker with a British accent, hey, Idris Elba, or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash cami. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash cami. Dipsystories.com slash cami. All right, besties, don't run off just yet. We still got more of the episode to go, but... Check out Dipsy and let me know what you think. I was watching one of your videos too about coming to terms with the fact that, you know, for people who do have children, that your parents are better grandparents to your kids than they were parents to you and how difficult that reality can be. And I feel like the holidays even like exacerbates that more because like, oh, my my mom all of a sudden is buying 10,000 gifts for my kid, but I never got a gift under the tree. Like what, how do you, how do you cope with that? 
Yeah, this this post got such an interesting reaction because a lot of people were like, imagine being jealous of your kids. Like, Mm. that's so narcissistic of you. And I want to validate that, like, you can be envious of this or mourning or grieving it and still be glad that your parents are being good grandparents. Like, these two things coexist at the same time. If you have a parent that never hugged you, never kissed you, never showed you any type of love, and then they're, like, embracing your grand, mm-hmm. their grandkid and being so loving, that can be painful because it's like, why didn't you change for me? Yeah. Why didn't you get better for me? Why didn't you work on yourself? And I think you can be so glad that your children have that grandparent and still be like, man, that would have been really nice yeah. for me to also have as a kid. And, and that's something I would definitely recommend working on in therapy so that you aren't burdening your child with that yes. grief or that pain. Yeah. I can only, Whitney, your comments must be off the chain. I would be fighting every day. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on in those comments. (laughs) I would be fighting every day. Like, I'm trying to help you guys. I'm trying to literally help you. (laughs) You're resisting me, and I don't understand why. That has to be difficult. But yeah, like, both can be true. You can look at your mom like, you've never hugged me, not once. Because there are some people, I say that I was overhugged as a child. My mom still to this day. When she comes for me, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm <laughs> scared because she loves on us so much. And like, I, I love that about her, obviously. But if I never had her hug me, which I've, I've met a lot of people who are like, my mom never hugs me. My mom never tells me that she loves me. And then all of a sudden I had this child and you're up in their face and you're kissing on them and you're loving on them. I think everyone, no matter how old you are, no matter how many children you have, everyone has that inner child in them. That's like banging on the walls. Like, wait a minute. Did you see that? Did you see what she just did? She never did that to us. And you know, it's, it's hurtful. It is hurtful, but like, doesn't mean that in that instance, you just grow up and you're like, Oh, well, she never did it to me, but she did to my kid. Good for my kid. Like, right. Right. All of those things. It's confusing. It's confusing for sure. What do you say to, you know, this is relationships. So we talk all about relationships and obviously family dynamics are a part of that. But I think during this time when, you know, people are getting together with their family and they're sitting around the dinner table, which is something that I feel like nobody does anymore, except for around the holidays, conversations about who you're dating seem to come up every single year. Who are you dating? Why are you not married? Why don't you have kids? How do you recommend that our listeners navigate these conversations? Mm -hmm. So I think you should prepare for this in advance if it is like a triggering conversation for you and you know it's going to come up. And you can think about, do I want to answer honestly, which is can just be a flat out, I'm not dating anyone right now, or I'm still in a relationship with so-and-so. You can say you don't want to talk about it. You can change the subject. You can also make a joke out of it. I've seen a lot of posts of her people who are always nagging about, when are you going to have kids? Just flipping around and being like, Aunt Jill, when are you going to have kids? Yes, yes, like, yes. You know, and putting it back on them. And all of those are appropriate depending on the person, the situation, and what your personality is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that those... I mean, we get those comments all the time, like, and especially if you have foreign parents, forget about it. Like sure. they're all up in your business. They want to know when <laughs> the kids are coming. They want to know as soon as you get engaged, they're like, okay, so the wedding, so the, this, the, the, and it's always something. And I feel like there has to be a way to kind of like deflect and some things like are just not your family's business also. 
Like they don't need to know. They don't need to know all your business until you're ready to actually share it. But then there's also the case of, which is something I'm doing this holiday season, which is introducing a new partner to your family. What advice do you have for me? (laughs) (laughs) Very exciting. I think going in just knowing that like maybe some people are going to say some things that are weird. Like people get awkward in those situations. They get so weird. Yeah. And sometimes (laughs) it's just a reflection of them, not about you. And I think the more secure you feel in like, I like this person. I want to introduce them to my family. I'm excited about it. The less those little things can kind of enter your orbit. And Mm. if anything does get said that makes you feel uncomfortable or whatever, you can always discuss it later. Yes. And and try to have sort of like a teachable moment about whatever it was. Yeah. I think for some people too, in doing that, there's, there's a lot of anxiety associated with it, especially if you know that you have that firecracker family member, that's going to say some wild ass (laughs) shit. And, And we all have one, everybody has one, but like preparing for that is important. But in situations where like I have friends who have introduced, you know, their partner to their family members, and they've been scared to do it because they're like, I just don't know what they might say. I don't want to put my partner in an uncomfortable situation. I think going back to what you said about like, we are partners in this and Mm -hmm. you know, your family better than anybody else. So if you're introducing somebody to your family and you know that you have that one family member that tends to say things that are inappropriate or could make your guest feel uncomfortable, like they're your partner, but they're also a guest in your home and your situation and your circus. If you know that it's going to make them uncomfortable or that they could be made uncomfortable, taking the person that you care about out of that situation, I think is also very appropriate. Like I wouldn't want my partner or even my friend to be in a situation where they're being treated poorly or talked to in a weird way, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if we're talking about anything that's like homophobic or racist or anything Mm -hmm. along those lines where you feel like this isn't just like a playful jab or like a weird comment. This is something that's actually really derogatory and should not be being said to this person. Yeah. Get them out of there and talk to Uncle Bill about it later because (laughs) talking about it in front of him is not, is not it. Ugh. Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. We needed this boost before the holidays. Is there any like parting advice that you can give our listeners as far as navigating the season, what to expect, what not to do? What do you got? I think we should go back to what we said about not expecting people to show up as totally different versions of themselves around the holidays and just being prepared for Mm -hmm. what normally happens. Yeah. Pray for the best, but yes, expect the worst. <laughs> expect the worst. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and the book? Yes, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram at sitwithwit. My website is sitwithwit.com. And through there, I'm linked to my book, Toxic Positivity, which you can get anywhere books are sold. Yes. Can you tell just quickly what Toxic Positivity is all about for the people who may not understand? Yeah. Toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy no matter what the circumstances. And so in the book, I propose a really different way of living that will give you more happiness without dismissing your thoughts using positivity. 
Yes. So get the book before the holidays as like a short term. Yes. And then for your long term <laughs> life, refer back to it whenever you can. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch a new episode of Relationship every single Friday. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the action. And I want to hear from you. So please, if you love the show, leave us a review. But by review, you know I only need five stars only. And let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on socials at Relationship on Instagram and at Relationship Pod on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bestie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.